0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam joined with not Matt just yet. He'll come in later in the show, but huge show. Join with Brandon right now. We're going to get into some Giants. Got some Jets with Bobby a little bit later. McFeely and I will have our picks later in the show. We'll talk some young baseball players in New York that are really exciting now. Uh, Again, later in the show, but uh right now, wanna reintroduce. If you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you've heard this voice before. Uh, he's gonna come on today and talk some giants with me to start the show. Brandon, say what's up to everyone.
1: Very excited to be back, Sam. Thank you for having me on. Um, I can't lie, anytime I see your you text pop up my phone it trying to talk on the pod tonight. You get a little excited because I'm talking about sports. So
0: having me. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, I, I love to, obviously, we talk a lot of football a lot, or uh, sorry, basketball a lot all the time, but I know you're a Giant fan. You've been on the show talking about Giants, giving some picks uh, from time to time in the past before, so appreciate you hopping on. Let's get right into it because the we have a huge episode. We have to get to a lot of things, so let's start with the Giants, right? And uh, the biggest storyline going into this offseason, great year last year, a lot to build off of. The looming cloud of of uh, Saquon Barkley's contract seems to be solved right now. Daniel Jones contract, the improvements there. And, And let's start with, you know, the most important position in football, Daniel Jones, the quarterback. Brandon, let me let me hear some of your thoughts. I think you're a Jones guy, but how how much are you into Jones this year and how much do you think he could take this offense and the team to the next level? Um, so
1: I think if you asked me this question a month ago, I'd probably have a different answer than I have today. Um, right now, I, I believe in Daniel Jones. I believe in him because of the coaching. And I think it is fair and should be pointed out that the coaching in his career prior to Brian Dayball, which I believe was Pat Shermer, Joe Judge, and that's it. It was those two coaches prior to him, to Dayball. And those are not... And when you're a rookie quarterback and you're coming into the league, if a lot of things aren't in place for you or um, the right guys aren't around you, the right coaches aren't around you, it can really affect your development as a quarterback. And I think we saw what a coach could really do to a guy who had – who really just – no one really knows what you are. You turn the ball over a lot. You fumble a lot. And Dayball said, listen, we're going to find out if you can – I want you to play. And if you remember, early on that first game versus Tennessee, he throws that bad end zone interception and Dayball rips him on the sideline for a good five minutes. Um, and since then, I feel like they've had a great working relationship. They Jones thrived last season under Dayball's offense. Um, I think that Dale Jones also took a step forward in terms of just like seeing the field, the game slowing down a little bit for him, a lot more running the ball out of him, which obviously opened up the entire offense last season. Um, so I guess that all kind of makes me a Jones believer, but on the contrary, I will say that the contract's a little hefty, but it's only a two year deal with an opt-out after two. So if we don't like what we see two years from now, we can always move on. So I'm going to believe in the guy. He, I'm a fan of the team, so I want him to obviously be great, but I'm still a little skeptical.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's a lot of, a lot of giant fans are definitely kind of in the same boat as you, I feel personally, I'm a little bit higher on Jones myself. I think that, uh, if he can have the, the prowess with his legs and not turn the ball over and kind of be a game manager in, in a sense where, you know, sometimes you get game managers that can't make plays with their legs. He's a guy that you can, if you can manage the game and go rip off a 20 yard run for a first down control the clock, I think with Barkley in the backfield, obviously a huge weapon there. Um, I think this could be a really good offense, and I'm a I'm a big believer in the Giants overall. Uh, again, you mentioned Brian Dable and the coaching. I think it's a great coaching staff. Wink Martindale is the defensive coordinator back again with I think a very underrated defense. Um, let's let's stick to the offense for a second. We spoke about Jones. Obviously, Barkley's there, but how about some of these other new weapons? Waller, Hyatt. Uh, I mean, there's there's some new weapons for Daniel Jones to use. And and who do you think pops off the screen to you as going to have the most immediate impact of the new weapons? Well, I think that the
1: obviously the entire offseason, all we've heard about is Darren Waller, Darren Waller, Darren Waller. And then in camp, it was just more Darren Waller. Um, Darren Waller is going to have a big season, but. To open him up and open up the offense where he can be most effective, other guys are gonna have to step up. And that's gonna be Isaiah Hodgkins, um, newcomer Jalen Hyatt. Um, what do we get out of Wandell Robinson and Sterling Shepard this year? Darius Slayton is he still gonna be a part of, I believe on the the depth chart that just dropped, it was um Slayton, Hodgkins, Hodgins, and um Ooh, Hi- it wasn't Shepard. It wasn't Hyatt. No, it wasn't Hyatt. Hyatt and Shepard were the second string receivers. Uh, no like designation for who like the spots gonna be. So I think they're all kind of interchangeable, interchangeable receivers. A lot of guys that can play a lot of different spots on the field. Um, but there's gonna have to be guys on the outside that step up along with Saquon Barkley to help Darren Waller be the most efficient Darren Waller and effective Darren Waller that he can be. Um I would love it if Darren Waller and Bellinger are on the field at the same time, which I know is going to be a thing that the Giants do because I think the Giants want to split Darren Waller out wide, get him against undersized corners, and kind of try to work mismatches. I think one of the big things Dayball did last year was he was really good at exploiting mismatches on the other team and that's why I love him as coach so much, because I think the number one thing you should be doing as a head coach is trying to exploit mismatches. Um, I think that the it's is an upgrade from last year. We're going to have to step up around War and Barkley to get the most out of Barkley, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I'm a big believer in opening stuff up as well. Uh, you, I, I think, though, for just this position of a tight end, you mentioned Bellinger, who I really liked last year. He had a very unfortunate, like an eye socket injury or something strange. Uh, last year, but I yeah. think he's a go- he's a very low key weapon. And then, I, I you know, a guy like Daniel Jones, who, again, I, when I see Daniel Jones, I don't really see him as like a home run quarterback. Right. He's a he's a dink and dunk, you know, five yard throw quick out. I think that's going to benefit Darren Waller. Or and benefit the offense ultimately, uh, and and again, I think the Giants are going to be grinders. Really, I think it's going to be you know stop Barkley inside, stop Barkley outside. Worry about Hyatt over the top. Worry about you know a guy like a Sterling Shepherd or uh you know any of these weapons that you just mentioned in, in the intermediate game, and then again a guy like Hyatt to take the top off the defense. I think the Giants are are set up pretty well here. It's going to be in the hands of Jones and and D'Able the head coach and you you've sung his praises in the past i echoed them uh you know how how high are you on D'Able i think i'm i think i'm sold that he's one of the better coaches in all of the league um i am more sold on D- D'Able
1: than i've probably ever been sold on a head coach in Giants history of me being a fan wow. um he is like i said before elite at mismatch at finding mismatches and exploiting them. I also think that he has a really he has a um a real say in how this team is being built with Joe Shane. Um and I think he's a good team builder. I think he sees there's certain things he wants out of guys. Like if you notice based on the signings this year, like we're really stacked at slot receiver Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard, Wando Robinson. Um we wanted speed. We got Jalen Hyatt who probably ran a four four at the combine could have been a first round pick fell all the way to the third round. And, then and looks ridiculous mismatch. on film. And looks ridiculous on film. And like I said with the mismatches, Darren Waller is a mismatch nightmare. If Darren Waller stays healthy for 17 games, he might be pushing for an all-pro spot at tight end. I'm just being honest. The stats are going to be there. They're going to feed this man the ball. He's, you didn't trade for him for no reason. The only thing that I will say is that he's 31 turning 32. He's had some injury history in his career. He is a younger 32 because he didn't really start playing football in the NFL until around 26 because of the troubles that he had at the beginning of his career um, with the alcohol addiction. But I, I'm i a big fan of Dayball. I think he is an elite head coach, and I think he's going to prove that this year because they kind of disrespected the Giants with the 7.5 win total. And I think yeah. that Dayball might smash that number this year.
2: Yeah,
0: um, I-, I agree. 5.5 last sold year. On- yeah, I I knew exactly you're yeah. going to say. Sorry, they're five and a half last year, only seven and a half this year. I think they go. They're going to go over that, maybe by one or two games. I see the Giants winning. You know, nine, maybe ten games. I I have my hot takes on the entire NFC East. That can be a, a podcast for another day. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I I think the Giants are really are really serious in in the conversation of not only playoffs, but I I'm kind of sold on you know I love the way this team is built and like we just said Dable uh, is obviously is showing to be one, one of the better coaches what so so we we spoke about we have spoken about Jones and the, the newer weapons spoken about Dable a little bit let's let's stick with or let's get to kind of a little bit of a dark cloud hanging over the Giants this entire offseason uh, until they signed a contract Saquon Barkley now my stance is Look, I feel bad for these running backs, and I've always just said jokingly, you know, my kid will, might play football, but he's never going to be a running back because of just like the, the, the <laughs> horrible, horrible way that they're treated nowadays in the NFL. I mean, you know, if you if you showed someone uh, Saquon Barkley's highlight tape and then you said, oh, yeah, he just only wants this amount of money for this amount of years, people would be like, OK, so why not just give it to him? He's unbelievable. I digress. That's my, that's my thoughts on, on the running back scenario, but for the giants, what, what does Barkley mean to this team? And, you know, I think there were some real fears that he might not be on this team to start the season.
1: Yeah. Um, I was never in the camp of thinking that Saquon Barkley was going to miss football games. I thought maybe he would skip all of training camp and then this Monday or labor day, labor day, Monday, he would report to camp for week one. Um, yeah, I'm happy they got a one year deal done. Um, I would have loved them to get a team friendly, um, long term deal done, but I'm going to stick with the same boat as the majority of the world when it comes to the NFL and running backs. There's no reason to pay your running back. If you are a smart organization, you draft a running back in a middle round. If he becomes your guy, that's great. Now you have him for four years under control. You can tag him two more times. If he becomes like that real guy with like Saquon Barkley, who did become that real guy, you tag him two times and then you kind of just kick him to the curb and say, thanks for all you did for us. But there's no reason to pay a running back that's over 20. that's going to be 27, 28 years old. Like we go back to the Le'Veon Bell situation. He actually sat out a full season to make his point. Um, yeah. <laughs> which was insane, which was insane looking back on it. But yeah, um, he ended up getting paid a four-year, fifty-two million dollar contract. And I do believe that if Saquon was on the open market, one of these 32 teams would have committed a long-term deal to him for whatever money he wanted. Um, I always brought up when I talked about the Saquon contract extension talks, I always brought up a Nick Chubb type deal. If you look at Nick Chubb's deal, it's like a three year like 39 million, but like almost more like like 25 26 million guaranteed high guarantee but low total number and the aav is not as high as what these other guys have wanted um i personally think that if you're a running back you kind of have to suck it up and say i'm going to take a little less money but secure the guarantees in a couple more years of guaranteed money um because if you ride the four years plus the two franchise tag years by the time you hit the free agency market nobody's going to want you and no one's going to give you the money that you think you deserve um, And I'm not saying that Saquon Barkley doesn't deserve that money. I'm just saying, like you said before, he doesn't play the position that's at a premium. He probably plays the either the second most unimportant position in the sport or the most, if you want to say, I would say the off-ball linebackers and running backs are like the two most unimportant positions to the success of an NFL team, and he plays one of them. So it it, it sucks to say out loud because you love the player. He's a team leader. He's been great for the team. Um, and He had just a great season last season, but – I'm just running him into the ground again. If I'm Joe Shane, I'm running him into the ground again this year. Franchise tagging him again next year, doing the same thing next year, and then probably not signing him back. It sounds messed up, but it's kind of just how it is.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's the business of it. And uh, you know, I, when you say running him into the ground, I, I think for Barkley's point of view here. He's got to be on some sort of like a prove it tour, no? Like he he almost like a I liken it to kind of what what Judge did, where he kind of bet on himself and then went or, and went out and hit sixty two home runs. I'm not saying Barkley's going to break any you know touchdown records this year, but there's got to be a little fire on in him, right? Yeah,
1: I would say that he definitely is like in the mindset of a prove it, but. He's really only proving it to himself because I just think that Joe Shane is going to do what a smart general manager does. And I'm very high on Joe Shane as a general manager. He hasn't missed on many moves um, yet in his two short two-year tenure, tenure. So we still have to wait on a bunch of these guys. But the big moves that he's made really haven't missed this yet. And I think he's going to do what I just said. He's going to franchise tag him again. And then it's going to be the same drama next offseason. Um, I do think Saquon... in. Some respects has to prove it that he can do it again, like what he did last season, especially now three years removed from the ACL tear. You should be this. You should be like in this is in theory, like his prime year, maybe last year and this year, like the running back prime. He's 25, 26 years old. Um, And yeah, I I don't know if it's to prove it, but he definitely needs to go out there and perform well and not get hurt and probably play 16 or 17 games.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right. I think honestly, for a guy like him, like you said, coming off a couple of years removed from an AC, a huge ACL injury, he definitely does have to not only prove his performance. I think his performance is kind of speaks for itself, but that he can play a you know a full productive season, not get gassed out, and you know, uh, hopefully, not get injured. Um, you mentioned you mentioned uh, you know a, a big test for for Barkley and the Giants. Week one is. I was just talking about this about the Jets, but week one for the Giants uh, against the Cowboys uh, giving Cowboys are giving three and a half. What do you think about that for week one? I, I'll I'll ask you what your pick is, I guess, on the game, and then I'll ask you how the Giants win. But what do you think about the the whole idea of the most important game potentially being week one?
1: Um, I did say in one of my groups chats yesterday that week one is everything for the Giants we have to prove that we can play with even though there's only maybe three top teams in the NFC we have to prove that we can play with Dallas Dallas has beaten us I believe six straight times
0: yeah um, I saw a stat the other day that we, was crazy we yeah.
1: haven't yeah we really haven't like even really competed a lot in those games like I'm pretty sure a lot of those are double digit wins or Um, it was double digits late and a late touchdown gets it to single digits. I think I went to the game last year, the night game where the cat was on the field. Yeah, that was last year. Um, and that game wasn't very entertaining because the Giants kind of just weren't able to hang, um, with the Cowboys and the Eagles. So yeah, this is a very important game. I wouldn't, um, say that it's a, it's not a must win, but it's a must compete. You can't go out there and get beat by two scores. You can't lose by two scores and you can't, well, and I'm not even saying that like in the. Final score standpoint, I'm just saying it in, like, we're going to watch the game and see how it is, and we're going to see, do you actually feel like the Giants can win this game, or are are they just keeping it close because maybe Dallas isn't playing very well or other factors? So I think it's a big eye test game for me. It's a let's see what Dayball has now year two. How much has the defense improved? We we traded for Isaiah Simmons. We traded for Boogie Basham. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, is he going to make that year two leap? Um, I think a lot of those things are going to have to happen like in game one for us to really have a chance to win. But I think you asked like what they need to do to win the game, they got to be able to stop the run because they have to force Dak into, into throwing third and longs, throwing such situ- obvious passing situations. Um, they're still pretty good up up front and they have an elite defense, so um, it's going to take a full team effort to win that game. I don't know necessarily know that i see the giants winning that one um as far as the three and a half point spread goes i would be hard uh, it would be hard for me to bet the giants plus three and a half just because we've seen what the cowboys have done each of the last six times they've played us um so i do i don't know if i I, I, it's hard i would probably lean giants plus half but i wouldn't like the pick and i would not give that pick out if somebody asked me for like my top three plays of the week type of thing um, I just think there's a lot of variance in how the Cowboys could play to, on, on Sunday night. So I think and that kind week of determines one. it more than how the Giants play. It. And it's week one. And like I always say, the biggest changes in a team happen between week one and week two. Yep. So like the Giants had this whole game plan for week one. They might get blown out. And then everything changes from week two yeah. on because they go into a completely different mode. You figure out what works and what doesn't. Who's clicking in game and who's not clicking in game. Um I will say the offense looked pretty good in preseason. The defense also I thought had some moments in def- uh, in preseason. I love Wink Martindale. Um I hope that Deontay Banks plays better in the regular season than he did in the preseason cuz I know it was a up and down preseason for him playing probably the second hardest position in the sport. Um at corner. So I don't know. I <laughs> Yeah, I I would lean I would lean Giants, but I would not be confident betting plus three and a half. I think if you want to bet the Giants, you wait until right before the game because I think late money will come in on Dallas.
0: A smart play there for sure. Now let's look. Uh, last thing before we got to get I got to get off to to Jets. Uh, got Bobby coming on in a little bit talking about the Jets with me and Matt. Matt will be joining me in a few. Let give me I I want numbers um and then I want scenarios, but. Give me your ceiling and floor as far as Giants win total. What would be like? You know, what would you say right now is the the most wins you could see the Giants winning, and what is the least amount of wins that you would see the Giants winning? I think in like all
1: right, so their win total is seven and a half. I personally put their floor at eight. I wow. think this is at no worth. I think at. I don't see a scenario where the coaching is bad. The quarterback play is bad. And the defense is bad where we're only winning six or five games. Now, if you asked me just a month ago, I actually outlined a five and 12 season for them, but I took it back (laughs) about three weeks later. Um, No, I truly think our floor is eight and nine. And I think our ceiling is 11 and six. I don't really think there's a lot of variance in our season. Um, I think we have games that we need to win. And I think we have games on our schedule where we're probably more than likely going to lose. I still don't think talent-wise we we match up with Philly well enough. I think that's two losses immediately. And I think at best we're splitting with Dallas. Yeah. Um, There'd have, there have to be two Washington wins, but I don't think Washington is any slouch by any means necessary. Agree. And like I said, they have some games where you look at it and you're like, all right, they should win. And you have some games and look at it like you think, all right, this is going to be a tough one, could go either way. Like just looking really quick at their schedule, like – that we play the Niners and the Seahawks and the Dolphins and the Bills like those are four teams where that those could be four losses very easily could be four losses um the Patriots is a, th- a toss up the Packers is a toss up the Saints is a toss up Rams and night Rams Raiders and Cardinals are must win so i think we're at eight win team at the worst i think we're an 11 win team at the best
0: so I I think I agree. I think maybe I'll put seven wins as as my personal floor, but you know that's that's just splitting hairs at that point. Mm-hmm. But uh, so then, of true course. or false? I, I, this will be, I guess, my last question about the Giants here. Again, gotta gotta get the Jets. I think uh, you know the the majority of the podcast participants are Jet fans. So uh, again, thank you for coming on. But the my is last love question the Jets right now. Yeah, yeah, big, uh, definitely, definitely a big, uh, a big draw the Jets are. But my last question true or false? If the Giants don't win a playoff game, the season is a failure. Good question,
1: so, right? It is a good question. I do think I was just looking it up because I wanted to know what the line was for the Giants to make the playoffs. I believe it was plus 128 last time I saw it. Oh no, plus 172. I will be hammering the Giants to make the playoffs at plus 172. Um, okay. I think the Giants I think in a week NFC the Giants will make the playoffs. Um, I think it really just comes down to who we play in the first round. Um, I think we lucked out last year playing the probably the worst team in the playoffs for the NFC and that's crazy to say thinking that they were a 13 win team last year in the Vikings, but I do believe that they were the worst of the seven teams that were in the playoffs for the NFC because I believe the Seahawks also would have beaten them in a playoff game. Um, so I don't want to say that it's a failure. If you if you made the playoffs and lost in the wildcard round, I don't consider that a failure. Um, I think our ceiling is losing in the same round we lost last year. I don't think we are better than the Cowboys, the Niners, and the Eagles. Um, and there's a world where the Lions are actually good and they live up to the hype, and they could be better than the Giants as well. So – I don't put us in the top four in the, in the NFC. So I can't say that our ceiling is NFC championship game. So I think our ceiling is a first, is a, is a divisional round exit. Our It's so crazy to say, I guess our floor technically would be missing the playoffs. I don't think eight and nine is going to get you into the playoffs. Um, so I guess technically our floor would be missing the playoffs, which of uh, missing the playoffs would be a failure of a season.
0: Brandon, thank you very much. Again, got to get over to jets. Appreciate you always. Yeah. Uh, any, any final thoughts on the jets? we have a JTS. No, no. You can give me your thoughts on the jets real quick. I'll be quick on the
1: jets. Um, I think their ceiling is 12 wins. Their floor is like nine wins. Rogers is going to have a bounce back year. Line problems will end up not being as, um, problematic as people are making them out to be right now. I'm actually about to probably go watch the hard knocks episode. I missed last night. Um, and I think the Jets are going to be good this year. They could win the division. They'll make the playoffs a wild card at least. And then the AFC playoffs is a
0: crapshoot. All right. You heard it here first. Kurtzman, thank you very much. Thanks, Sam. Have a good
1: When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way from your first
3: cigarette to your last dying day. When you're a jet, let them do what they can.
0: You've got All right. We're back with our favorite resident jet fan, Bobby. Um, Bobby, why don't you say hi to hi to everyone? I'm sure they missed you greatly.
2: As I did them. It's good to be back, fellas. I feel like I feel rejuvenated since the last time we talked, actually, with all this Jets hype going in the season.
0: Yeah, man, uh, we—it's great to have you back. Uh, obviously, the the hype on the jet season is more than real. Uh, I actually—I was late. I didn't watch the last episode of Hard Knocks last night. I watched it this morning. Um, let's get this out of the way, just to start. I thought the last this last episode was underwhelming. What did you guys think? <laughs> I
2: thought it was a little underwhelming, but the the one part that got me going was this, the speech that Salah gave about uh not caring about or excuse my French, not giving a fuck about what the other teams say, what everyone else says.
0: The uh, the Mount Everest thing?
2: Yeah. That part, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. I, I mean, the only thing I thought was lacking, and I,
0: obviously I, we kind of knew this going into it, but the fact that they weren't able to go into, like, you know, how they always have, like, the the star player that you follow that you didn't know, and then the, the guy in the middle who's just, uh-huh. like, trying to make it, and I didn't like that they didn't have, like, those that kind of, the drama storyline behind it this year it made it a little weird to me. Like they kind of, when they, when they, they showed the clip of, um, what was his face? They, uh, the rookie wide receiver that was getting uh that he thought was going to get cut, but then they, they actually faked yep. him out. Yeah. 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 I thought that was like a little corny and seemed a little forced, but yeah, it was a little bit. whatever. Yeah. But, um, so Bobby, you know, we talked about the jets hype real quick and the hype, I think, you know, we're all jet fans here. The hype is obviously real, my first question is, you know, when when did this hype start for you? Was it was it when they signed Rodgers, When you know when Rogers cut the I know when Rogers cut the money off of this year so that they could kind of ultimately bring in Dalvin Cook and work on some other parts of the roster. But you know, walk me through your Jets off season.
2: Uh, I think to me, it really all started the day he announced it on McAfee Show. I think from then on, it was we're going for it. Even like we haven't talked since, but the Dalva Cook thing, that doesn't really move me as much as it might other people. It's really just the Rogers thing, to be quite honest.
3: Yeah, Dalvin yeah. Cook to me was, was also – it was more of a luxury. It wasn't really a need of the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I've been dying to ask Bobby, um, and I think I mentioned this to Sam, uh, just because just Bobby just personnel-wise of the Jets kind of understands the ins and outs a little more than we do. Bobby, going into this season, it seems like the Jets offensive line is this huge eyesore. Is that just a product of now that being really, like, the only glaring issue with the Jets? Because I remember we would talk last year and we would say, like, you know, the Jets offensive line is pretty underrated. Like, you know, they're, they're pretty formidable out there. How come
2: now it seems like it's such an issue for the Jets? I think the offensive line is just a very easy thing. For, like, the media and maybe, like, casual fans to, like, latch on to. But it like, seems oh, like players, too.
3: Like, it seems like, like you know, like, that's mo- most of where even, like, Rogers' complaints have come from, in, you know, in the little bit of hard knocks that we've seen. Uh, you know, not that that's not also just media-driven, but.
2: Yeah, you kind of got a glimpse of that in hard knocks, but uh, I think that was without Dwayne Brown. That was without Beckton in the lineup. You had guys like Billy Turner. Uh, starting a left tackle. So I think Dwayne Brown being around, Beckton getting comfortable at a right tackle, and then just all the guys gelling together. I think McGovern McGovern being back is underrated because had, they had Titman in the draft, and I think everyone was high on him, but I think McGovern over the past few years has shown that he's solid, and he actually had good chemistry with Rodgers in that uh, preseason game. He actually checked to the line to throw the fade to Lazard, not Lazard, uh, Garrett Wilson on the left side. Mm-hmm. So I think it's less – that's – the offensive line is less of a concern to me. I think a lot more concerning to me is the skill positions, like the receivers. I'm very concerned about this receiving core going into the season, just the depth. Like if you – like Garrett Wilson went down with that ankle a couple weeks ago, and I was I was ready to go into panic mode because you had Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, and then you have undrafted free agents making the roster.
0: Yeah, let me – so – that's a good point there, and, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you, but I'm gonna agree with you in a different, or I guess, I disagree with you in a different way. I, I agree that the the wide receiver depth is a, is definitely an issue, and you're right. The Garrett Wilson, you know, we'll say scare, definitely was a true scare. But don't you think that guys like Lazard and guys like Randall Cobb, that's gonna be like their role more so than like I, I mean. Uh, I could be wrong, but do you think that we're going to see Cobb in like an every down role? I feel like he might be the guy that's kind of, the you know, just in case piece or the reliable one that that'll be there every week for a few snaps here or there. And we'll be able to step up in place of an injury. But I I don't know. I I guess I agree with you depth wise. But I think as far as the roster is constructed, I, I like that that Rogers has, you know, some of his guys here. I think it's going to bode well for this team and obviously the young guys.
2: Yeah, it's definitely good to have some of Roger's own guys in the room. I just questioned whether or not like a guy like Randall Cobb will really make a difference when it comes to uh Sundays. Like I yeah. I think in the practice facility, I love having him. I think he's gonna be great uh for guys like Garrett Wilson to lean on, but I don't know if he's gonna make that much of an impact on the field. Well, there's a couple wide
0: receivers out there for sure, aren't there? Like you know, we've I've heard some Mike Evans talk. I think Mike
2: Evans is the one to monitor. I think that's yeah. the one going forward in, the, in these first few weeks. If the Jets, if the Jets got off to a hot start and the Bucks are looking to move unload some pieces, I think that's the one to look at. Yeah, I, I, I kind mean, of I do look piece. at his
3: receiving core though, and I I feel like it's almost like a quintessential Green Bay receiving core. So you have Garrett Wilson, you could draw the Devontae comparisons if you want. Lazard Cobb. You know the Hardman, who's sort of like you know Valdez, Gantling type, and then you know the Brownleys, the Gibsons. I feel like those receivers have sort of always been around Green Bay, and, and Rodgers has sort of been able to bump those guys from maybe you know a C minus to a B minus.
2: True, I definitely see the comparison, especially with uh, you got Hardman to MVS, and then Lazard's Lazard. But I th- I, w- I would have wanted to see them do a little bit more, especially after they made that cap space. I wanted to bring in. Maybe one more piece to add to this receiving core.
0: Yeah, and, and I was going to say, Bobby, that uh, I was actually going to ask you directly about that—the uh, the cap uh, management that they've had now with Rogers restructuring. Were you surprised that? I guess you are surprised that they didn't bring in another receiver. But were you surprised that they didn't try and, you know, find a way to get another lineman in here? I know you said it's kind of like a uh, maybe a novice take to be to be concerned about it, this O line, but. If, if you're Rodgers, you know, you're not giving up that money just because you're a nice guy. I feel like he's giving up that money because he wants the Jets to put the best roster in front of him. And, and I, I don't know. I guess I myself, I was a little surprised. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on m- maybe how Rodgers feels about, you know, they brought in Dalvin Cook and that's a great piece, obviously. But do you think it could have gone elsewhere or maybe it still could go elsewhere?
2: Uh, when looking at like bringing a lineman in, I feel like that's just like it's too hard. It's too hard of a move to make because when you have those linemen, organizations, don't let them go. Like even we saw the David Bakhtiari stuff like a week or two ago. They're not going to get rid of Bakhtiari because they have a young quarterback. That they need to Right. Protect. Yeah, that
3: is the whole thing with linemen. It's like a team could be tanking. And usually when yeah. you're tanking, you're bringing in a young quarterback and those O linemen are just all the more important. They're just they're too hard True. to get on the
2: market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's good point.
2: You're going to have to overpay for them in free agency. It's not going to come in a trade. But, um, yeah, I there's definitely no doubt that behind the scenes, Rodgers has his fingerprints all over the roster. I oh, just, yeah. I'm just curious to see where they go. Because I think, I think even he said it a couple of weeks ago that all the time now there's moves made in the middle of the season. So I'm curious to see if they have anything in mind or if anything's going to come out of nowhere.
0: Well, it's truly going to be a test week 1 right out of the gate. Uh you know, you can think what you want about where you put the Bills in terms of uh you know, uh their stature in the league, but Bobby, I'll ask you and kind of parlaying this out of the uh out of our offensive line talk, but what's your prediction here for for week 1? Do you think I, I've said that this is a huge game. I think anytime you get a chance to ha- win a home game against a division rival and kind of kill two birds with one stone, I think you kind of have to do that if you're a real contender. Uh, and, but but what, are the, what kind of problems does this Bills team pose that, to me, a lot of their roster is the same. So I don't know. Have the Jets really improved so much that they can hang with a team like the Bills?
2: Well, I think we saw even last year they're able to hang with them. The question is if it's going to be enough uh, – if the, those pieces that the Jets brought in to reconstruct this roster, if they're going to gel right away. And I think a big question mark on the defensive side is the safety room. Just because we saw a guy like Chuck Clark they brought in at the beginning of the preseason, they were happy about him, and he went down like immediately. So I think the safeties – I think – I don't know who's going to get started. I think Tony Adams is going to be one of the safeties uh, along with uh, Whitehead, who had a little bit of a lackluster year. So I think covering the deep ball, come playing up, coming up in the run, I think those that safety room is going to be tested week one. Um, I do think the Jets match up well into the Bills, though. As we saw last year, we saw Josh Allen th- had, a f- had fits with the Jets' defense. I think the offense is going to take a step forward, obviously, with Rodgers. So
0: they better <laughs> yeah hey bobby
2: are uh, you
3: gonna uh cry and scre- uh, bang your head against the wall and scream bloody murder if the jets lose a week one game like like sam says he's gonna do
2: no i i'm not i think a lot of people are basing the um success or failure of the season on this week one game like it's it's a huge game but i feel like it's being overstated just a little bit i've been saying all along the jets need to go three and three in these first six games so and because it's a hard schedule, it's probably the hardest schedule in the NFL in that in that stretch.
0: Yeah, and I was making the case yesterday when we were we were talking, you know, not not on record um or record, sorry. Uh you know, they it's it's not I'm not going to do that either. I'm not saying the season will be done if the Jets lose week 1, but I just think it it wouldn't It would be a way different story if they weren't in the Bills weren't in their division and it wasn't a home game. You know, if they lose Week One to a really good team, that's one thing. But you're to me a loss would be again losing a home game and losing an in division game. That's that's that would be a tough one, I I think. And and obviously, if you're a big storyline person, another storyline would be okay. Well, Jets Jets got Rodgers and they got all this, and obviously, depending on how the game goes specifically. But I think it would be it's it's getting actually kind of I feel like it's getting undersung how big of a game this is.
3: I think, like Bobby said, I just said, listen, go two and two in the first four. Second half, the schedule is gonna gonna really soften up. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think just like Bobby said, just just stick to what you have to do the first couple of weeks. I really division game. I get I get what you're saying. You're gonna see
0: them a second time. Yeah. Oh, well, so, I mean, and, and then as for the Bills, I don't know. Do you think that right now, would you say that the Bills sh- should finish ahead of the Jets in the standings?
2: I don't think they should. I think it's likely that they do. I wouldn't say should. I feel like the just looking at it on paper, I think the Jets roster is just as good as anyone in the AFC East. Yeah,
0: well, I, I mean, obviously you bring in Rodgers, and obviously your roster gets everyone around gets better. Uh, but but anyone else? Any other like low key acquis- acquisitions that the Jets made that you know kind of is going under the radar, or any new additions this year that you think are really going to pay off in the long run for the Jets?
2: I don't any know. The guy they got. Yeah,
0: he's yeah, pretty good. B- besides that one,
2: um, I'm actually really excited to see how Nicole Hardman fits in the offense. I think the for a while the Jets were missing like that gadget guy. I know Berrios was that, but I don't really think he's as dynamic as maybe an Ecole Hardman can be as we saw him in Kansas city. So I'm just, I want to see what he brings to the receiving room.
0: Yeah. I, I liked him in, I, you're right. I liked him in KC. Uh, I, and again, he's, he's kind of like a do it all guy. Um, and you're right. That he's another guy that you, know, you could just see, like you said, the jets receiving core. Can you see Randall Cobb playing every down? Can you see even Alan Lazard? Really? He might, he might be that backup option, but I already saw that he already was slapped with like a, an injury tag of some sort. Uh, so you're right. A little bit, a little bit thin at receiver and a guy like Hardman definitely uh, is always good to have. Um, now, I, I guess, you, you know, t- looking at an overview of this, this season, give me your give me your we talking about win totals. Give me your floor and your ceiling here for the Jets. What, what would make you say? wow, this season is totally a disappointment? And what would make you say, wow, this really blew my expectations out of the water?
2: I think anything short of winning a playoff game would be an team. A lot of people are saying that people are robust. I don't think in the first season with Rodgers that that's realistic. But I definitely do think that they need to make the playoffs, win a game, and show that they're for real going forward. That's where it's, I'm at, too.
0: So, so we, what about... As far as, like, obviously, thinking about if they win the Super Bowl, obviously everyone would be elated. But uh-huh. let's stick in, like, a win. Give me a win total. I want a number that, that'll that say, you know, just talking about the regular season, what what number do you think would be, you know, if they got 14 wins magically, uh, would that be, like, you know, would you be head over heels for that? Uh, would you, Would that be, like, you know, that would going undefeated is that on the table, or and then what's the floor? You know, if they win nine games, is that like a total failure? Uh, you know, Matt, I don't even I don't even know if me and you have spoken about this, but what would be your win win total floor? I guess I'll say.
3: I don't know. It's tough because I really want to just leave it all up to the playoffs because um, I think that that's really the the benchmark for whether you see was a success. But uh, I, I don't know, man. And I'd like to see them win. 11 or 12 games and if they win eight games um i'd be
0: supremely ruffled good way to put it and bobby I, yourself
2: i agree the floor has to be eight eight games and then the ceiling i don't think would be anything more than 12 but anything more than 12 would be a welcome surprise
0: yeah well, yeah obviously the you know let's let's see them go undefeated i guess that's what we hope for yeah. let's let's really make a statement here um but any uh, any other thoughts before you know? I definitely ask you for a, a a pick for this week's pick segment. But any other you know, just just last thoughts here before we get into the jet season.
2: I just can't wait to see the uh, the atmosphere at MetLife. I think it's going to be a zoo. Everyone's going to be rocking. It's going to be we we. It's going to be something we haven't seen in ten years, ten plus years since we were in middle school.
0: Yeah, I had my I, I have pictures of me in middle school at at said games. Uh, and, and you know what was that the the Mark Sanchez days McFeely uh-huh. would know that well. Mark you Sanchez didn't.
3: You guys think this is a big, bigger game than the Jets Bills game we went to when McCown tore them up a few years ago?
2: One hundred percent. Really, I think this is the biggest Jet game since the AFC Championship against the Steelers.
0: Wow. All right, big words, Bobby. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll have you on for hopefully on like a weekly or even biweekly thing just to talk talk some jets football so uh appreciate it but before we get out of here give me your pick for this week we got to get you on the record here
2: my pick of the week is packers plus one i think the bears might be the most overhyped team going into the season and the packers will just always own them so that's about it
0: all right you heard it here first that is the first guest pick of the year uh me mcfeely's picks to come bobby thank you very much Thank you
2: for having
3: hey, me, guys. Bobby, you never uh, every time you log off and I'm not going to ask you to do it now, but I always ask you to give us a JETS, Jets, Jets. Jets you always decline. Uh, um can I get one from you if the Jets win this Monday night?
2: If the Jets win this Monday night, you will get a J-E-T-S JETS from me. I want wow. like a good one though. You got a yeah.
0: good one. If I need a, right. some fireman Ed in it too.
2: I have a hard hat in here somewhere. I'll get it out for
0: it. <laughs> nice. All right, Bobby, or if thank you. you are need it if you want to get that over to him. Yeah. <laughs> maybe thank you bobby
2: <laughs> Thanks, guys for having me all the way from your first
1: cigarette to your last <laughs> dying day
0: all right so always great having bobby on uh if you're a longtime listener of the show you know that bobby was our resident jet guy and uh obviously we we love to get his opinions he's very deep in the jet sauce no pun intended um but sticking with football a little bit matt Uh, we did a pick segment last year that we're going to look to continue to this year. Um, I'm excited for it. I, we changed it up just a little bit. Um, I'm going to run, run by some of the rules and, and Matt, you can give me, give me some input or uh, you know, some of your two cents as I go. But for this year, every week, McFeely and I will pick two games and we will allot points uh, using the spread. So for instance, uh, week one, Jets are what? Plus three against the bills. Was it? I mean, we'll see. We'll get official lines at the time of our picks. Well, let's – all right. So, for argument's sake, let's say the Jets are plus three against the Bills week one. Uh, if McFeely wants to take the Jets, he will take the Jets with the points. So, Jets plus three. And then he'll allot either one point or two points to that game. So, uh, if the Jets – if he, if that's his two-point game, the Jets cover plus three, then McFeely will get two points for that. However, the little wrench that we threw in this year uh, is an underdog pick. And so what we decided to do was instead of instead of just saying that we like an underdog, we're going to put our money where our mouth is and we're going to introduce an underdog pick. And the way that is going to work is you can pick an underdog to win a game straight up. And if they win, you'll be awarded three points and this will be in place of your two point pick. So another example, let's say the Giants are underdogs week one and McPhilly wants to take the Jets with the points. McPhilly can take the Jets for his one-point play and then take a three-point game for the underdog of the week or his underdog of the week. You don't have to pick it, but you'll get three points for a win and that'll be in place of your two-point pick. So uh, a little bit more risky. Obviously, any sort of underdog is risky. Uh, We're going to go by, uh, I guess, MGM sportsbook uh, standards or lines for the underdog uh, picks but yeah, so we're gonna create graphics for it. we'll have all our points uh, added up towards the end of the year. and I, I don't know about you but Matt this is I, I love the pick segments even you know my sniff of the week and all that it, it's great.
3: Well, yeah, that's why I think this is such a good idea because we we kind of found a way to incorporate the sniffs so it was something we spent so much time talking about. Um, I mean last year, It took us a while to sort of figure it out. I don't know if you remember, we started the season back when we had a third guest who should not be named. And instead of doing a pick segment, we were going to do a survivor pool. And the three of us got knocked out in the first week.
0: Matt, I'll let you do the honors here. First week, fresh new season, a fresh slate. What is your or who are your two picks this week?
3: Yeah, I mean, I really wanted to take an underdog here. Uh, it would have been a lot of fun to grab the Jets, try to try to take them to win outright. But week one, I'm going to play it a little bit safer. Um, my one-point play here, I'm taking a team on the road in the Dallas Cowboys, going to the Meadowlands against the Giants. Um, the Giants, they bit me a few times last year. I was a little hesitant on the Giants. I, I wasn't ready to believe in the Giants. But it never happened against the Dallas Cowboys. I just think that the Cowboys are a better team on all cylinders. Um, And I just kind of think they've owned the Giants of late. So uh, I want Dallas on the road for my one-point play. And for my two-point, I have another road team, but I like this game too much not to take it. It's the 49ers going into Pittsburgh. Uh, They're on the road only giving two points. I don't don't see how that one misses. Um, I'm probably going to bet this game for real as well. Um, I love the 49ers this week. Uh, that was just my favorite game on the slate. I couldn't find anything else. So those are my two points. Those are my two picks there. I have the Cowboys for one, the 49ers for two.
0: Uh, the, the first, uh, I don't see how this pick loses pick of the year. Interesting. Uh, yeah. You and like if I didn't give a one.
3: spread on the first game, the, the Cowboys are giving three to the Giants. Okay.
0: So Cowboys giving three, and then you have the 49ers giving two. So you're you're on two two favorites there. Um, for my two picks, um, I'm going with a little bit, I guess, a different kind of way to think about it. I, I'm liking the Commanders minus seven as my one point pick. And and my explanation for that is, you know, I watched some of Sam Howell in the preseason. I like what I see. Uh, I just saw that they named him uh, the captain of the team. You know, whatever, whatever you want to read into that. But all reports are that, you know, a lot of the guys rally behind him. There's They have some really good weapons on that Commanders team. And really the basis for this pick, I think the Cardinals are going to be unfathomably terrible this year. They might go winless, seriously. And uh, I think seven might be the the shortest line that we're going to see in a Cardinals game all year. I'm going to grab the value while I can. I think the Commanders are a full touchdown better than the Cardinals, um, especially at home. Um, So that will be my one-point play. And then my two-point play, and, and I'm kind of going to do a little little bit of a heel turn here on kind of my whole, uh, I guess, mantra these past couple years, but I I'm bought in on the Jaguars this year. I, I think that, you know, as a lifelong Trevor Lawrence hater, uh, I think that they have a lot of pieces now, ETN, uh, Ridley back this year. I love Evan Ingram there and the tight end role. I think they have a lot of quiet weapons there. Um, and I think that the Colts, you know, no Jonathan Taylor, uh, at least not the first, First week, if not the first couple weeks, um, you know, rookie quarterback, first start in, in the NFL. Give me I'm going to take the Jaguars minus five on the road in Indiana, Indianapolis. I think that the Jaguars just kind of like I said about how uh, the this is going to be the shortest line that we're going to have on a Cardinals game. I think that this is going to be the lowest value we're going to have on a Jaguars game. Uh, I think the Jaguars are really good. Um, I heard, uh, was it South Palantonio Antonio yesterday say that he wouldn't be stunned if they ended up as the representative in the Super Bowl from the AFC. I'm not that high in them, but I think it's, uh, it's realistic that the Jaguars could have a really, really good season. And I think, uh, you know, again, just like I said, going, I know they're on the road, but first start against a team without their, you know, arguably their best player. I like the Jaguars there. So, uh, I think couple few solid picks. I don't like that we're all on favorites right now, but uh, you know we'll say. Obviously, week one a little bit tough, but was there any other games that kind of struck your eye as we as I kind of look around the league? You I definitely the, about? With the Jaguars one. Definitely, yeah. I, I like it. Just makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, I
3: tried to stay away from divisional games as much as I could. I mean, I, I obviously yeah. I took Cowboys over the Giants, but. Um, yeah, I mean five points there. I think that's great value for the Jaguars. That's another game I'll, I'll probably wind up um, betting myself.
0: Yeah, and any other uh, any dogs you like this week? Straight up, and obviously not your favorite pick, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I don't have. I don't think I have a sniff this week. I think it's just too tough of a too tough of a, a slate week one and kind of just getting a gauge of the league. But um, I toyed with the Rams beating the Seahawks as as a potential underdog pick, but. I, uh they're getting five. I was going to take them straight up to win, but why I don't are know the, this...
3: Why are the Rams getting so much this? Like, I mean, they're I, I don't, you know, I'm not super high on the Rams either, but, you know, they're supposed to be coming into this season healthy.
0: Yeah, well, I think Cooper Cup is still questionable, although I believe he I mean, I, I think he might be probable for week one if they, I think they got rid of the, you know, probable tag per se, but um yeah, I don't know either. I, I thought that was uh, people are really low on them and I think they're they're too low. I mean, you know, they're getting five points against Seattle. I mean, I am i don't know if I'm low on Seattle, but Seattle is... Well, they are uh, really in Seattle, but... Yeah, but do we really see Geno Smith, uh, just like as an overall thought on Seattle, do we really see Geno Smith really, like, replicating uh, another, you know, a year like last year? I don't see it. Yeah, he could probably come close. Yeah, I, I just think last year was probably Geno's best year of his career. That's so anything less than that, you know, they're an average football team in my, in my eyes. So, yeah. um, but ended of the day didn't, didn't pick it. Um, but let's, uh, any other thoughts on this, this week's slate before we, you know, close out and get into some, get a little baseball, some interesting, interesting topics on both sides of the baseball spectrum in New York. No, I'm
3: just, I'm just excited to get going. And by get going, I mean, like, use your optimum login and sit on my couch and watch red zone all day on my fantasy Yeah. But it's just it's been a while. I'm excited.
0: You, you and about five other people will be doing the exact same as that. So uh, you're welcome to those, to those yourself and those other four people. I'm going um, to send Julie like a Hanukkah present. Okay. That's cool. Maybe one, maybe every uh, one for every night. Uh, that'd be cool. I, I don't, I don't think, and aside, I don't think I've I've gotten a, a present on every night of Hanukkah since I was like five. It's usually like what one.
3: What were those like? Like, what were those present like? Was like the eighth night the biggest? Like on the first night, would it be like a yo-yo? Like, how does that work?
0: Uh, never got a yo-yo for Hanukkah. Uh, but I, I think that from what I can remember, it, my family's big like big first night present people. Uh, so like you know, first night I'll get you know maybe something. I had wanted I remember specifically one year I got like an Alex Rodriguez uh Alex Rodriguez Yankee jersey uh name on the back though instantly threw in the garbage it was terrible um so <laughs> that was probably the most notable one but other than that it, it I'm threw not really it's in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> name on the back can't, I can't do that I'm yeah. not even a, I wasn't even a big A-Rod guy I, you know I liked it whatever blah 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 but <laughs> I, if I had to guess, honestly, it was probably, you know, one of his first years on the team. I was, I was young. So uh, I, I don't know exactly what year it, it was, but it was one of those, one of those uh, early A-Rod years. But um, yeah, not, not a, I'll, I'll let you, I'll keep it filled in. Maybe, maybe you can buy me my first Hanukkah yo-yo.
2: Okay. I'm, I'm sometimes referred
0: to as a Hanukkah yo-yo, by the way. I'm going to make you a panace yo-yo. Okay. Uh, that'll be electric. Maybe. A you yo-yo for a yo-yo. There you go. Uh, who is not a yo-yo. Uh, I'm going to go right to the Yankees here. You can, you can talk about your Mets in a minute. Uh, Jason Dominguez, Hal Steinbrenner. I'm just going to start throwing out names that are involved in the last week of Yankee baseball. Austin Wells. Uh, it, it's kind of like the Yankees have bought into the, I guess, spoiler role uh, in a sense. They called up their kids. They got rid of Donaldson. Uh, they got rid of Harrison Bader. They waived him. He's now on the Reds um so he'll get a shot to get a little bit of a real playoff hunt there um and Dominguez I don't know how much you've watched of Dominguez but like it's a classic example of like why wasn't this guy up earlier and why you know this guy's gonna has a chance to be really good really good um so yeah I don't know have you watched have you watched a lot of or any Yankee baseball since the the kids have come up. Yeah.
3: Some of the Astros series. And you're right. I mean, when there's that much hype about a guy and then his first swing in the big leagues, he goes yard. It's, it's exciting. And he's he's against
0: Verlander in Houston, nonetheless. Yeah. Yep. Which is, you know, that was uh, watching that game. I'm like, wow, this guy like this really could have helped in, uh, in, you know, this, you know, 2020, 2021, 2022, so on and so forth, but I digress. Um, yeah, I, I like everything I see from Dominguez. Um, I, I think it's interesting that the just think about like, you know, the Yankees overall, I guess like their marketing strategy around Dominguez and whatnot. They had like Bernie Williams really involved in the in his home opener, which is interesting. Again, switch hitter that played center field, probably, uh, probably the 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 most the winningest. Uh, is he the winningest center fielder in Yankee history? I don't know. That's is what? How many rings does Bernie have? Four? Uh, probably. I think four. one, oh, uh, regardless, you know Bernie well, Williams. Bernie's the player Moore. that
3: Yankee fans get upset when they say core four, right?
0: It should be core yeah. five. So he's
3: probably got at least three or four rings. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and he was there. the The reason why a lot of Yankee fans resonate with Bernie is, you know, he was there before the the core. I guess you know the Jeter years and whatnot came up. He was just right before, but. Uh, you know, he he was part of the the rough year, a couple years before or leading up to to Jeter and the dynasty beginning, I guess. Um, but anyway, I thought it was really interesting that they had uh, he, he played the national anthem on Dominguez's debut. They had him uh in the booth with Michael Kay last night and uh, Paul O'Neill just talking. And I think it kind of speaks highly of like what they think of him. You know, they're my, my point, I guess, is, you know, when they called up Everson Pereira, it's not like they they had like. You know, the greatest Yankee left fielder in history in the booth, right? They they're they're kind of like rolling out this whole Dominguez thing and they're they're like fully bought into this kid's a star, right? Yes. So i I don't know. I just, just a just a Yankee thought um there. I'm I'm excited to see him the rest of the way. Uh again, switch hitter, uh obviously showed some pop. Uh Boone mentioned yesterday on John Boy that he has some uh eye-opening speed as well. We he beat out a couple uh, fielder's choices last night, uh, in in the, their win against the tigers. Um, and then the other kid that came up, Austin Wells, uh, didn't catch Cole last night. I thought that was kind of interesting, but expected. Uh, but again, another lefty bat, uh, that, that solves that issue. Uh, he can, he, he has some pop. I've liked some of his at-bats and, uh, all the pitchers that he caught, he caught three days in Houston and all of the pitchers raved about his catching. So, uh, obviously, you know, you know, the Yankees love, uh, you know, the Gary Sanchez days and nitpicking the catching position. They they love what they see out of him behind the dish. So that's a plus. Um, but yeah, I mean, he'll probably catch his first Yankee game tonight. It's uh, it is Wednesday at about one o'clock as we record this, but yeah, exciting times. Uh, you know, I think the the dark cloud that was Donaldson and just the, the, the terrible season that this amounted to be kind of, is, is a little bit brighter now with these kids up. And, uh, you know, especially when you sweep Houston, regardless of who you do it with is great. So, uh, just exciting, exciting time there to be a Yankee fan. Um, but also Matt, I know you wanted to talk about it, uh, kind of exciting to be a Met fan. Now, obviously we, we detailed a little bit of like the, the off field drama with Lindor and Alonzo and the front office and so on and so forth. And we, we're going to track that throughout the off season, but uh, the Mets called up a kid of their own, I believe, that you are you sound pretty excited about.
3: Yeah, the Mets call up uh, Ronnie Mauricio. By the way, quick point about the Yankees. I wanted to get in there. I was, Yeah, sorry. I was happy to hear that Boone said that Cole will be pitching to Austin Wells uh, at some point because, I mean, it, it, you're going to expect him to have how many starts thrown to that guy next year. Uh, whether you derail a Cy Young season, this or that, I, I don't think it's neither here nor there. Um, I think it's important that he starts pitching to Wells over Vet War- pretty soon. But the yeah. Mets call up Ronnie Mauricio, and, I mean, he just – he came out firing. He is – what is he? He was five for his first eight at some point. He's already got two stolen bags. So, right now, he's six for his first 15, batting 400 to to begin his career with the Mets. Um, Kind of like the Dominguez thing where you feel like, well, why why wasn't this guy up here earlier, especially when – You know, when there was still a chance this season and you were struggling and, you know, I I think he always had a higher ceiling than, say, a Beatty or a a Vientos. So, uh, Mauricio, I mean, the Mets are going to need power at some point. Um, It's not going to come from a guy like running Mauricio, but he's a gamer. He's quick. Um, You know, he's a middle infielder. So uh, I've been very pleased to watch him play as as much as I've been able to.
0: Yeah. And I was just going to say, I haven't been able to really watch. Uh, I've seen, you know, clips and, and whatnot on, on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I, I kind of agree. I, I think he's yeah, just like Dominguez. And I, I, to an extent, Austin Wells, he also just like looks the part too. Like he, you know, people say in football, like, you know, they fill out the, the Jersey, they fill out, they look good in pads or whatever. Like he, he kind of looks like, He's he's got like the the body and the the build of a, of a good baseball player. Is that you agree? Yeah. So yeah, yeah and a promising time there. Um, what do you what do you think? You know, I'm not I'm not going to get into two like overarching Met thoughts, but what do you think his? Where do you think he settles at position wise?
3: I mean, I would assume that he's your second baseman, and then you know, unfortunately for McNeil, you're probably just going to continue to platoon him third base outfield uh, wherever he's going to fit just because of the versatility uh, you're obviously locked in at shortstop for a hundred years. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Mauricio is probably their opening day
0: uh, second baseman come next year. Yeah. I I, I mean, if you're a meth fan, you you can't hate that. You know, that's especially what you're seeing now, you know, you could, I think even if you told meth fans that he would be your DH next year, going into the year, I feel like people would sign up for that too. No.
3: Yeah, I mean he, he's
0: he's a little too athletic for that. The
3: thing is, like the Mets are gonna go into next season and I don't know what to expect. I, I don't know what they're aiming at or if they think they're gonna be able to compete or maybe have some sort of uh but I mean they're going to need power and that doesn't start with getting rid of Pete Alonso.
0: So Yeah. Well that's if you uh, really yeah,
3: think you... about it, Pete Alonso's your he's really your only power bat in your lineup. Cause like who who else is there? There's what, Brandon Nimmo?
0: there's really no power in the mat lineup. Yeah, no, you're right. And that's, again, I don't want to get into two kind of overarching met thoughts here, but, but that kind of makes Alonzo that much more valuable to this lineup because you're right. You don't have the, the, the luxury of saying, all right, well, if Alonzo's out, then so-and-so will be able to pick up a slack. There's not, there's really, there's some good contact. There's good, some good bat to ball skills, you know, guys like McNeil, Lindor, but, man the the from the power department you're right it's if you're gonna get extra power Mauricio you know losing losing Alonzo doesn't help so yeah
3: they might have uh, a player
0: who's gonna lead the league in home runs this year and and even with that you still look at the mess
3: and say oh my god they have no power
0: yeah which is that yeah that's that's bad it'll be interesting to see how they you know maneuver uh the offseason and whatnot and you know they they said that they're they're looking forward towards, I guess, what they say, 2025 more so than 2024. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, the Mets are in action tonight against the uh, Washington Nationals, who are on a six-game losing streak, as everyone's favorite Jose Butto gets the start for the Mets. Um, and the Yankees, same time, 7.05, Clark Schmidt gets the start. Uh, and, again, probably will be, I would assume – would be Austin Wells' uh, Yankee Stadium debut. Uh, he'll probably catch Clark Schmidt tonight. Um, so, yeah, both locals in action. Uh, we're gearing up for Thursday football, uh, gearing up for uh, Sunday night and Monday night football. I'm going to be attendant, in attendance at the the Jack game on Monday. Um, did you have any plans for, for the game? No? No, not yet. Um, I'll figure something out. I'm, I'm
3: thankful it's a day that I'm home. I mean, if, if I, if I'm, if I'm in the office on a Monday, I
0: get out at eight, I'm missing the first quarter. So that's, that's misery. How about this? I have, I have a party, a, a, a uh, like a huge family party. I have family coming in from like out of state and whatnot. And the, the brilliant planners of said party, uh, have planned a lunch for 12 o'clock to three o'clock Sunday afternoon. I'm good. Yeah, I I you might need a like a body double for me that yeah. day, yeah. um. But nonetheless, uh, very excited for football. Very excited to watch, uh, some of these kids that you know the Yankees, and Mets have called up that we were just speaking about a little bit. Um, did you have anything else to say before we get out of here? Kind of a big episode. Let's go Jets. Yeah, J E T S Jets Jets Jets. Um, as always, thank you for listening. Uh. Follow us on all our socials. Uh, We'll have our pick graphic up shortly. Um, And as always, peace out.